Hi there, it's Nikki. I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you knew about our free on-demand copywriting training. Whether you're brand new to copywriting or you just can't seem to hit your income goals, this training is for you. You'll learn the three secrets to landing freelance copywriting work without wasting time on frustrating job bidding sites like Upwork and Fiverr or cold calling strangers. And if you've listened to any of the student stories on this podcast, this is the exact same training they all got started with. I'm talking about Kate Kay, who's making six figures working part-time and who just retired her husband to help her run the business. Stuart, who replaced his full-time salary with freelance copywriting work, and then some. Stacy, who hit six figures in six months, her very first year as a full-time freelancer. Ashley, who landed the in-house copywriting job of her dreams. They all started with this free training, and you can get started with that same training too. Sign up right now at freecopywritingtraining.com. Are you ready to learn the keys to copywriting success? My name is Nikki Krawczyk, and I've been a copywriter for more than 20 years, writing for multi-billion dollar companies down to solopreneurs and every size business in between. My co-host Kate Sitars and I, along with the rest of the Filthy Rich Writer team, are sharing everything we've learned in our decades in the industry so that you can start and scale a successful copywriting business of your own. To us, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Let's dig in. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Copywriting Business Podcast. Hello, ladies. Hello. 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 So as always, I am joined by my fabulous co-host, Kate Sitars. And today we have the pleasure of talking with uh, a CCA student who has an especially interesting story. I think you guys are going to really enjoy uh, the fabulous Kristen Donnelly. Hello, Kristen. Hello. So happy to be here. We are so happy to have you. So um, let's just get right into it. You balance out copywriting, or I should say maybe copywriting balances out in your schedule, um, some of your other passions, which are super duper interesting. So can you tell us about what your, what a, a day in the life of your career looks like? Oh, sure. A day in the life of my career has evolved a lot over the years. So a little background, I am a cookbook author and I got into being a cookbook author by, um, I was an editor at Food and Wine Magazine for many years. So I had this editorial background and in 2013, I left to freelance and I um, worked on cookbooks, but I also worked on articles and recipe development and um, just, you know, a lot of different freelance writing types of things, but not copywriting. And what happened was a friend of mine hired me to help with content for a coffee brand called Blue Bottle Coffee. And while I was doing that, I came across uh, your ad, actually, Filthy Rich Writer ad. And I was already sort of dabbling in this, but I was like, copywriting, like, what's the difference between copywriting and what I'm doing now? And um, anyway, I went down the rabbit hole and then I did purchase the course. And I realized I was actually doing some copywriting. I mean, writing copy to sell something, not just content, which is education, as you talk about. Um, and I love it. And I also realized that 
it can be more lucrative than editorial and content writing. So then I started to, uh, I guess, like try to pick up more copywriting clients. So a day in the life right now is, um, actually have a client on the West coast. So I'm working some West coast hours. So a lot of times in the morning I'll do my cookbook stuff or more of like the, um, I guess the editorial type stuff. And then I do copywriting in the afternoon, but honestly, like, I feel like every year, even every quarter is a little bit different. Um, but I do like to always have an anchor type project, whether that's a cookbook or larger client. And then a lot of like little things. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. So I'm curious with, you know, cooking and writing in that world for content, how are your copywriting clients? Are they in that same industry? Are they in different industries? What kinds of things are you dabbling in with that? Yeah, it's funny for the most part, because I have such a strong background in food and beverage, Mm -hmm. most of my clients have been in that space, but I actually have a contract right now working with Apple and not on anything, you know, not Apple, the a food company, but <laughs> Apple, the, <laughs> um, yeah, the Apple. And that came about more because I had a, um, a friend who worked, we worked together a lot and then she moved over to Apple. So, um, it, that has taken me a little bit out of the food space. Um, and it's been awesome. I mean, I like, I like having a specialty, but then it's really cool to like, do something entirely different and get those skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Power of using your network. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, my, I it's like I hate the word networking because it just sounds it has mm-hmm. this like icky connotation. So I often think of it as like relationship building and really trying to like build true, genuine, deep relationships. Um, but yeah, I mean, my network has been everything. So. Mm-hmm. So how do it, it, from the outset, it seems like copywriting and cookbook writing would be very different. Um, but I'm curious if you found any similarities between the two that you didn't expect or ways that being an expert in one has enhanced your expertise in the other. That's an interesting question. They are very different. I will say a lot of the cookbooks I've been working on recently are with other people. So I have written my own book. It's called Modern Potluck. Just give it a little plug. Mm -hmm. But um, I now work a lot with other authors. And so that is about inhabiting their voice. And with copywriting, you're often inhabiting a brand voice. And it's honestly like, I think my favorite part of copywriting is like getting into this persona and, um, and thinking about who are you talking to. So that is definitely where I see some of the parallels. The other is um, with recipe headnotes, you know, the, the, the text or copy that comes before a recipe, that's there to essentially sell a recipe. You're talking about like why you should make this and you want to make somebody feel really excited about that. So there's some similarity there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's it's obviously you're right. You know what you're talking about. But it's as you're saying that I was thinking it, it is it's it's kind of similar to a product description on 
on a website as you're flipping through. And yes, you may already own the cookbook. Maybe, maybe you already own the cookbook, but as you're flipping through, you're going, Oh, okay. Well, I see the picture, but let mm-hmm. me read this through to see if this is something I'm, I'm interested in investing my time in investing my yep. resources in. Yeah. Yeah. That's the mistake I always make. I don't read through. And then I'm like, Oh, prep time was an hour and it has to sit in the <laughs> oven for an hour and 45 minutes. And I'll be eating at 10 PM. Yeah. 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 And hopefully, I mean, you know, no, it's, it's hard to be perfect all the time with that, but it's like, hopefully a recipe will set you up for that. Or the head mm-hmm. note will set you up yeah. for that. Like, you know, there is this, you know, marinating time, per, you know, prepare ahead, but it's worth it. It's usually like what you want, you know, the type of thing you want to say. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Agree. Not yeah. buried deep into the recipe. At the yeah. <laughs> if it's, if it's written well, if it's a Kristen mm-hmm. Donnelly special, then <laughs> I will prepare you. Yeah. <laughs> And there are, it's funny, like with recipes, it depends on for a book or online. A lot of times you have more space working in magazines, you you know, your space was very Mm -hmm. tight, um, which that happens with print and copies. So yeah, it's like, what do you cut? And you have to make those decisions. So sometimes those little helpful things get cut, which is not ideal. No. So (laughs) So we don't have to feel bad that we're not producing things that look... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it looked like the photos. Okay. This is good. This makes me feel a lot better. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's funny. My food styling, like that is a whole career. And, mm-hmm. um, I have so much respect for food stylists. Cause even if I make something that's absolutely delicious and looks pretty good, it's like, does not look like a styled dish. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you balance your the, the work that you do on cookbooks with the work that you do on copywriting. Um, Cause it's this, the two are pretty different and there's not going to be a lot of opportunity for overlap, but obviously you're going to have two different, maybe more uh, projects that are competing for your time. So how do you go about either scheduling that out or balancing it out or. Yeah. It's evolving. It's always evolving. I feel like, um, but I am, I am like really, uh, conscious, I guess about how I spend my time and manage my time. So, um, like I have a ritual where it's like every month I sit down, I put my goals for the month and that includes what I already know is happening, but then I might have, um, some other goals, like, Hey, like I'll pitch myself to be on podcast this month, you know, or something like that. Um, And then every week I look at what I, you know, tasks at hand, make a list of that. And then every day it's another to-do list, but then I start scheduling and I usually make a schedule the night before my day. So I kind of know what it looks like and know how I want to spend my time. And I do try to work in like time blocks. It's not, it's never perfect. I mean, there's all kinds of methods. Um, You know, I think there's the Pomodoro method. You might've just written about that, but um, where you spend the 25 minutes and then take some time off. It's never that perfect, but I might say like, okay, from 10 until 1130, I'm heads down, turning off all notifications and just working on this for this client. Then I'll take a break, come back, do another time block. Um, With the work I'm doing now, I have a lot of meetings. So that kind of organizes some of my time for me. Um, but yeah, when I don't have meetings, it's, I just try to be really conscious of how I'm using that time. And again, it's just, it's just always evolving. It's like, mm-hmm. I do try to leave space if, you know, 
when, even when I'm planning my time, like, so it's not so rigid, but I leave space for the unexpected or for like the cool opportunity, um, like just a little bit of breathing room. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Well, and I would think that would be really important for both facets of, of your career because they're both creative. So you need that opportunity to yes, dig in and get down to work, but also to let things flow a little bit, yeah. let things come to you and let things, <laughs> let things marinate, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and I do try to use the, like, I, I feel like I'm freshest in the morning. So I try to like put something in the morning where, um, it, it uses a certain kind of brain power. And then maybe in the afternoon, it's like the admin tasks. I play around with it though. Like I was trying to do all admin on Fridays. I, I don't know. It depends. I, I totally play around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the, there are also so many tips out there and tactics and tools, you know, batching everything, do all of your this on one day. And that works so well for some people does not work well for me. If I have to do one day, that's just one thing. Um, so I agree. I think it's really a matter of finding what works best for you. And to your point, that may change on a day-to-day basis. You might have an idea of, of what maybe an ideal day looks like, but if yeah. only we lived in an ideal world. Yeah. I t- with batching, it's funny. I will hear sometimes about people who are like, I wrote seven emails in a day or like I filmed. Cause I do try to be somewhat active on social media. It's not, I'm not, um, I don't do a ton, but like I filmed, you know, 10 reels in a day and I'm like, I'm exhausted after one. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, I, I think I work better when it's like a little of this and a little of that and a little of this. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree. You mentioned, I'm curious, uh, we touched at the very beginning a little bit about how copywriting just naturally pays more than other writing mm-hmm. opportunities. Um, and I know you had told us before we started recording in, in your email um, about how copywriting has kind of helped balance out that income. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit to that and how that's kind of made things a little more consistent, I guess? Sure. So is cookbooks, I love working on cookbooks or books in general. Um, and while I was, I guess, developing my freelance career, I used to balance that out with doing a lot of work for websites. Um, and then I did get a bit into content and, but it did always feel like this sort of like hamster wheel, like, uh, you know, um, always trying to catch up and the way books pay is you get like a large chunk and then you have to make it last for, and, you know, until a certain deadline. And sometimes that can be over a year. So you might be like, oh, I'm getting, I mean, I'll just speak numbers, but like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm getting like 20 or $30,000 all at once. But then you're like, oh, wait, but I'm not getting another chunk until it might be 18 months. So, you know, you need to, or at least for, you know, I live on the East Coast, expensive cost of living. So I need to make more than that. So I had balanced it out with like, just lots of little articles and um, recipe development, sometimes, re- you know, re- recipe development. Uh, I mean, it does pay. In any case, um, yeah, once I realized that, that copywriting could be more lucrative, then I was like, oh, well, this actually lets me focus on doing books, which I love, and then um, balancing that out with copywriting which is paying me enough so I can actually save a little bit more. So then I'm building this financial cushion. So if I need, you know, if, if there's like space between clients or 
I don't panic. Basically, I feel like I was often in this like panic mode, like, where am I going to get the money? Where, you know, where am I, you know? Um, so now I, I feel like I've gotten into a place where, um, yeah, I just have more room, like more breathing room. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I enjoy is- it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. Like, hey, I mean, it's really nice. Right. Like it was one, it was one of those things where I was like, Oh, I'll start this to pay the bills. And then I was like, Oh, I love this. It's so fun. You know, that's great. That's great. What do you love about copywriting? Just to dig it, in there. Yeah, sure. It is definitely inhabiting like the, I was saying before, inhabiting a brand's voice. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, I do like, there is this empathy part of it that I really enjoy, like getting into the mind of the customer, um, trying to solve their, solve their problems, um, or delight them. So I guess that's what I like about it the most. Um, plus again, it's like with getting into the voice, it's fun to just like I've, I've done these exercises before and I've done them for myself, but I've also done them for clients where, especially if they're like working on, they're trying to refresh their voice or something. I'll go and I'll look at other different brands. How are they talking about this? How are they talking about this? How are they talking about this? I did this for, um, uh, like a food, a fast casual restaurant brand where, but we looked at like clothing brands and, uh, personal care makeup brands and, but I took their voice and I was like, okay, this is how they would say it. But they did it for a dish description. And then we looked at them and pulled different things to try to like, say like, what's this voice going to be? So that's definitely like, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that's, that's a testament to your ability to think bigger picture as well. Um, instead of working with a fast casual restaurant chain and then, or restaurant, and then looking at just the competitors in the fast casual space, but to Mm -hmm. extend outside of that, expand outside of that and say, okay, what are, where can, where else can we draw inspiration? Who is maybe going to have a similar target audience who is, has that same, that same ethos, that same aesthetic. And I think that's, that's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to know, because I know you mentioned you were at Food and Wine. And so obviously Food and Mm -hmm. Wine magazine sells ad space, works with advertisers. But how familiar were you with copywriting in that world when before you saw the ad, before you got into it? I would say not at all. I mean, it's common, um, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I knew, obviously, like I looked at the ads every, every, um, every month and, but we, we, they did at the time. And I imagine they still do. There was a separation between editorial yeah. and advertising. And so I just wasn't, I knew people on the, um, marketing and advertising side. I mean, they're the people who, um, bring in the advertisers, but I certainly didn't know their clients and the people they were working with and the people they were selling to. And, and then not the creative teams behind it at all. And I am still learning, um, your course has been so helpful with, just the, ter- the terminology for advertising is different than magazines. And I've been in situations where I'm like, what are they talking about? And, um, and there's a really nice lesson on like just the different, uh, the different terms. And I hear them all the time now, I guess I, not at all. Apparently like <laughs> I would see, it was cool to see like every month we would have a, um, there'd be a wall with what the magazine was going to look like. And then 
there would be a time where the uh, the publisher, people from the advertising side would come down and place the ads and there's some strategy behind that. I wasn't usually involved with the meetings, but I would kind of be around when they were happening. Um, but yeah, it is interesting that it was like this whole world that didn't exist and now suddenly, suddenly it does. There it is. I love it. Was yeah. there that skepticism that I feel like a lot of people see with it of like, oh, wait, this is, this is a career. This is, why didn't I know about this? I'm a writer. Like, I feel like I felt that of like, I'm a writer. Why didn't I know that this was a writing career that I could actually survive with? Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it just did feel separate. And what's funny, I did go to culinary school and there was a woman, a fellow student, um, and she was a career changer. I, I was in my twenties and she might've been her thirties or forties. I'm not sure, but she was total career changer, had a life before. And I remember her telling me like, Oh, I run a school for copywriters and art directors. And I was like, hmm. okay. Like, I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I was, I was really, I was young. I was like 23. And so I think about her sometimes, but she went to, um, she went to culinary school and now like has a whole life as a cooking teacher. Um, but yeah, it is funny. And there's a skepticism and it's funny. Sometimes I find that there's like a, for people outside of writing, like there was a woman who was like, oh, you shouldn't like talk about that you're a copywriter. You should talk about like being an author. Like there's this, I find it to be a, a strange, um, I don't, maybe it's a projection. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, no, like I want to talk about being a copywriter. This is how I make my living and I enjoy it. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm proud of it. So, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. The, and I think that that is, I agree that I think it's an, a, a projection or, or an external, I don't know, forcing something judgment. upon it because judgment, judgment yeah. Of like uh, art versus this is yeah. not art. So it can't be. Yeah. Worthwhile or whatever. Well, and what I find really interesting too is the people who are most like, oh, copywriting, that's not a real, are never the successful people. You know, yeah. it's often struggling authors who are looking to put something else down. Well, I'm an author and this is, right. I've never met and never met and never heard of successful authors, successful writers who would denigrate any other writing profession, whatever that writing profession right. is. That's true. Right. And really, I guess any successful, say, a successful journalist successful. or a successful, yeah. successful cookbook author or something, someone, someone who's in the writing field understands that no matter what type of writing you do, it is, it's an interesting challenge. It's creative. It requires skill and talent. And, uh, and I don't think I've ever it's, it's always the people who are, which I think is probably true of most trolls on the internet too, right? The people who right. are struggling with themselves and their own worth and value who feel the need to, to put down other people or other yeah. <laughs> entire industries. Yeah. She was, she was like an aspiring writer. Um, and it, it just struck me as so odd. Like I, I was just like, and it, it yeah. It was, it struck me as odd that she was like telling me that like, you shouldn't, I'm like, <laughs> eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, you tell people now you have a gig at Apple. Like if you have yeah, right. people, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. best of luck to her. Best yeah. of luck to her. <laughs> 
Um, so what would you say to people who are, because I think often when people think about copywriting, they think, okay, well, I either have to go all in and it has to be everything that I do or or I can't do it, or, or maybe I'll only take one client a night, or excuse me, not a night, but one client a month or something like that. Mm. What, what advice would you give to people who are kind of intrigued by this idea of maybe balancing a couple of different careers and making them work well together? I mean, it's totally possible to dabble or yeah, like uh, part-time copyright or um, like I have a daughter who's nine. So if you just want to do something part-time, so then you're um, spending more time with your children or it's, it's all very possible. Um, there is, um, there is like a mindset aspect, this like embracing of flexibility and almost a little bit of uncertainty. And I think I went through this like wall back when I was at a magazine because, you know, people were losing their jobs. Like, I mean, magazines are constantly folding and uh, it's a changing industry for sure. And it, I, I suddenly was like, oh wait, my full-time job is not certain. You know, my, mm-hmm. my full-time job is really almost as risky or just as risky maybe as being a freelancer. So it basically, if you acquire these skills of um, getting work, doing the work, balancing your time, um, in some ways you're more stable. So anyway, my advice, I mean, I'm definitely like a build the bridge as you go person. So even when I left the magazine, I, it always took them so long to hire and I was very close with everybody. So I gave them six months notice. I mean, I don't know that that's realistic for everybody, but in my case, I was like, it takes you so long to hire. Now you can spend the time. You won't be short staffed. I'll be, you know, (laughs) well, I loved it. I actually loved that job so much. So I, it was just time, time to move on. And I, my daughter was one at the time I needed more flexibility, but, um, I love that job. I love the people. And so, yeah, but, but what that allowed me to do was like very openly seek out freelance work. I feel like before, if I was seeking out freelance work, it would have had to be, had to have been on the sly a little bit. Um, and you know, in other jobs, you maybe can do it openly, but in this case, I was like, all right, I'm leaving. Like, um, so I built a bridge of, uh, like I even had freelance work from food and wine when I left as well as, you know, I just started, I guess, like meeting with people networking, um, pretty heavily. So, if you're in a full-time job situation and you're thinking about freelancing uh, and I, I do recommend like, like try to find one client and you get that one client, get that under your belt. Um, and then it becomes like a snowball. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, not. absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. When I, I think you're right in that, that more than ever people are starting to starting to understand that this idea of I have a full-time job, I am safe is not actually the case anymore. And in fact, Mm -hmm. having skills that you can do is skills in your back pocket that you can pick up clients whenever they, whenever you want to and dial that up as you need to, or dial down if you get busy with other things is actually is, is a lot 
safer is when you're in control of your income and your, your clients and all that kind of thing, you're actually in a, a safer position when you know how to go and find clients, then you're, mm-hmm. you're actually in a more, that's where the stability comes from being in control of your own opportunities. Yeah. You know? And I will say actually, um, separately with editorial work in the past, there were so few jobs, a lot of people who want them, they don't pay necessarily well. So, you know, if you're applying for those jobs, there's like tons of applicants and it's competitive. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, LinkedIn on LinkedIn, when I started adding, being a copywriter, working with Blue Bottle, uh, being a contractor with Apple, I, I started getting more inquiries from employers about mm-hmm. copywriting, whether, um, I mean, sometimes it's like full-time jobs and like, you know, you want to come move to Seattle and, and thank you very much. No, thank you right now. But that was amazing to me. And then just getting the job alerts, like, you know, I have job alerts now for a senior copywriter just to see what's out there. And then you're like, Ooh, I could work for that brand. Ooh, I could work for that brand, you know, and feel qualified. And like, if I needed to need it or felt like I wanted to go get a full-time job, I do feel like there is the work there. Whereas with editorial, it felt a little more like, Ooh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, if the work is there or anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many opportunities. So many. <laughs> yeah, there, there really are. Um, and I've gotten work from, I've gotten like inquiries, I guess, a lot from LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I've actually worked with clients from LinkedIn. It's funny just like mentioning it. And then people are like, oh, maybe I need that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, yes, you do. You do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. That's great. So now if anybody is listening to this and they're thinking, oh, she is so smart. Um, I want to have her write copy for me. Uh, where can they find you? <laughs> or write a cookbook for me. Or write a cookbook yeah, for write me. A cookbook. Or- yeah. I know I've been trying to like merge that, not merge it, but it like basically to help, help people and brands tell their stories or, you know, but mm-hmm. through cookbooks and copy, that's what I've been playing with. But in any case, my website is um, kristendonnelly.com and I am on Instagram at Kristen C. Donnelly. Fantastic. Perfect. And Kristen is I-N or E-N? I-N. I-N. Kristen. Just yeah. double check because I have friends. Notes, so. I have friends with both. So just if people are listening and they don't look at the show notes, but also too, you mentioned that you have uh, a podcast as well about cookbook writing, but we have a lot of podcasts. Well, I mean, they're listening to podcasts. They like podcasts. (laughs) So share away. Yeah. So some friends and I launched a podcast called Everything Cookbooks and we're all cookbook authors. And we talk a lot about the behind the scenes of cookbook publishing Um, and some really amazing seasoned authors. And, um, it's, it's been so much fun for us. So, um, oh, and I will say this, if, if you're interested in doing any kind of nonfiction book, there are a lot of parallels. So, um, yeah, if that's something on your mind, I I suggest giving it a listen. Yes. Yeah. I will personally check it out myself. (laughs) Yeah. Excellent. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. This was so interesting and uh, I know it's going to spark a lot of, uh, a lot of inspiration and excitement for people. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thanks for creating such great resources for copywriters and, uh, wannabe copywriters and career changers. Oh, you are so very welcome. 
Um, and thank you to all of you for joining us and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye everybody. Like what you heard? Subscribe to the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast so you never miss any copywriting tips, tools, or tactics. And if you think copywriting might be right for you, check out our free on-demand video training at freecopywritingtraining.com. We'll catch you in the next episode.